We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you until, my goodness, 10 o'clock this evening. I, I, I am so glad you're up late with us here on KMOX tonight. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, but as always, and I, I generally I just forget to give this out, uh, my email address. I love hearing from listeners. I got an email from a listener. Actually, I've gotten more than one this week. And I haven't even been on since last Wednesday. So, uh, except for sitting in with uh, Amy Mark's scores uh, on Friday during the show. But if you want to shoot me an email anytime, I'd love to hear from listeners. My email address is beyoung at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L. That's the name of my law firm. And I uh, would love to hear from you. And I always respond to every email. So feel free to do that. Uh, this is the first time I've sat in since the Super Bowl. I want to bring on uh, producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. Uh, Matt, we were chatting during the break. Uh, Super Bowl, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. I thought it was a great game. Uh, I didn't have any uh, dog in the fight. If I had to choose a winner, you know, I, I would. I prefer to have Kansas City win. I'm not. I'm not a bandwagon fan, and I'm, but I'm not going to pretend I was a fan since day one. But if I had to pick one, I wanted the uh, one of the Chiefs to win, and I'm glad it turned out that way. Yeah, my uh, my son-in-law, I think, was a Chiefs fan in utero uh, because he may have been actually born with a with a, a, a Chiefs jersey on. Wow! So he's he's been a, a committed fan since day one. So uh, at my household, we we had to had to root for the Chiefs. I mean, I would have anyway, but uh, listen, I'm more of a baseball guy, so I, I it's not like I follow every football game because I don't. But here's what I want to ask you: uh, I saw this in the news today, and I thought this was. Uh, intriguing to think about. There's a, a a state representative in Tennessee has proposed its uh, House Bill 1463 that would make the day after the Super Bowl a state holiday where people don't have to come to work. It's an official state holiday. Banks are closed. Offices are closed for the day uh, Monday after the Super Bowl. Matt Pajeski, good idea, bad idea, stupid idea. What do you think? Perfect idea. Perfect idea. Uh, any chance to get off work and to have a little more? Hopes <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, any any chance to to enjoy yourself a little bit more that Sunday, that Super Bowl Sunday? I'm all yep. for that. Yeah. Okay, 
All right. So, uh, but when I, if I told you it replaces Columbus Day as a legal holiday, does that change your opinion at no, all? No, no. Super Bowl. The day after the Super Bowl is more important than the guy who is uh, who's, who founded our country, founded our continent. So, is a day after the Super Bowl is more important than that? I don't know if it's more important, but do we really need the day off for Columbus Day? Yeah, I think you, I think we can. I, so, so I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is pragmatism. That we can acknowledge that Columbus, at least ostensibly, possibly could have discovered America, although Leif Erikson and the Vikings were here a lot sooner. But from a European standpoint, that may be true. But what you're saying is, is that we don't need to have a day off for that, but we need to have a day to sober up after the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. And okay. recover. All right. To recover, recover from the Super Bowl. All right. Well, you heard it there from Matt Pajeski. And uh, uh, we'll see if that goes. I think this bill is actually going to pass uh, in committee. It had complete bipartisan support. So it'll it'll probably be passed in Tennessee. And uh, and listen, if the Chiefs keep winning, maybe Missouri should adopt that. You know, if the Chiefs are the next Patriots, going to have a dynasty here for winning the Super Bowl. Maybe Missouri needs to. Uh, to uh, take a lateral from Tennessee and and look into doing this. We'll we'll follow that. The other thing I wanted to comment on was yesterday, uh, of course, we've all heard that Raquel Welch died. Now, she was old, Matt. I don't know if you followed her at all. Not really. Hollywood icon. Before my time. I know she made a cameo on on Seinfeld, and that's how I knew her. (laughs) Well, she's before my time, too, frankly. I mean, (laughs) she was a lot older than me. Uh, but I, I had this discussion yesterday with a friend of mine who's a movie buff. And so he asked me, he said, Brad, what what is Raquel Welch's best movie that she's ever been in? And I instantly said Shawshank Redemption. Now, have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Yes. yes. You remember her being in the movie? No. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, that's all right. Let me, let me refresh your memory because you're going to say, oh, Brad, that doesn't count. But when when Andy Dufresne was locked in the prison cell and he was digging the wall out of his prison cell and he had a poster over the hole, Uh, that poster was of Raquel Welch. Gotcha. Okay, so she wasn't physically her. her, She actually wasn't in the movie, but a poster of Raquel Welch was in the movie. So I mentioned Raquel Welch. (laughs) That's her best role is in Shawshank Redemption. So my movie buff buddy said, well, that doesn't count. She wasn't acting in that movie. And, of course, my response was, did she ever act in any movie? (laughs) I mean, really, the point of Raquel Welch was to show up and to be smoking hot on screen. That that was the sole purpose for her being in any movie. And she did that in Shawshank. So I submit that her role in Shawshank Redemption was just as important, if not more important, because that's the that's the critical point of the entire movie is hiding that tunnel that Andy Dufresne digs to get out, and she helped cover up the hole. So I still think that uh, of all the movies she was in, that should go down as her best role ever. Go watch Shawshank Redemption and see if you agree with me. Hey, coming up after the break, what's up, and, and again, I have to say pardon the pun, but what's up with... All these spy balloons. I mean, we went from nothing to now it's like standing room only at the World Series, apparently at 60,000 feet uh, in our upper atmosphere. So we're going to talk to a former special agent and senior advisor for the State Department to break it all down for you next right here on The Voice of St. Louis. 
KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. Welcome back to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening. And uh, we, we've all heard about the Chinese spy balloon, as well as those other unidentified aerial phenomenon over Alaska and Canada and, and even Michigan. So what's going on in the upper atmosphere and how does this impact our relationship with China? Joining us this evening is Ron Holloway. Ron's a former special agent and senior advisor with the U.S. State Department who now coaches crisis leadership for clients uh, from coast to coast. Ron Holloway, welcome to KMOX St. Louis. Hey, thank you. And let me say, your soundtrack is pretty good. I like that 99 Red Balloons. Well, it seemed apropos. It's a producer extraordinaire, Matt Pajeski, uh, chooses the music, the bumper music, and he always, always entertains. Uh, speaking of entertaining, I understand, Ron, that you, uh, you've you spent some time here in the St. Louis area. I did. You know, the, the question for St. Louis is, is which high school did you go to? I Went to Ledoux Horton Watkins High School. Okay, and my fa- my family's still back there. Oh, very good. Well, hopefully the they are listening uh, this evening on uh, fifty thousand red hot watts of Camel X. Uh, President right. Biden President Biden announced today that those three non balloon objects that were shot down this past weekend are apparently not linked to China. So I would like to focus on the Chinese spy balloon from earlier this month. The, uh, the New York Times reported yesterday that the Pentagon tracked that balloon from the time it was launched from Hainan Island, China. And Ron Holloway, in the age of satellites, what's the strategic value of, in spy balloons? You know, I'm not an expert in all ex, you know, espionage technology. However, you know... Is there an advantage to it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, Biden came out and said that it was collecting signal intelligence. Uh, and to put that in perspective, that's just one form. Uh, the world of espionage is going on all the time. I don't know if you remember the old Mad Mad magazine in the back, and it had Spy versus Spy. Oh, of course. Well, still goes on. It's behind the scenes, and in this in this case. That world bled over to the public public eye. Well, but before we dive into this topic any deeper, Ron, tell us about some of your experience when you were with the State Department. And what, what did you do and what kind of activities were you involved with? 
Sure. So actually prior to the State Department, I was in military intelligence. I was a human intelligence collector, so making friends and influencing people. Uh, I left. I ended up in the State Department as a special agent with the State Department's Bureau of Diplomatic Security. I'm a BSF special agent. Uh, our bailiwick is protecting everything that has to do with protecting diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And since diplomacy is our first line of defense, well, then you're at the pointy end of the spear. Interesting. Interesting. So you, you weren't, did, did you have, did you do a lot of traveling when you were with the State Department? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most of our stuff is overseas. We're in 270 cities around the world. I was, I have lost track of how many countries mm. I've been in. Uh, however, I lived in Africa for a while. And I focus primarily on major event security. So we look at the national soccer team and the Olympians as kind of unofficial diplomats because they're high value targets to terrorists. And uh, I've lived with the teams, worked with the teams and uh, lived in the Olympic village. And that was kind of my major thing. Well, and I'm, I know we were supposed to be talking about the spy balloons, but you've raised so many interesting points here, Ron. I want to focus on that for just a second. Ron Holloway is a former special agent and senior advisor at the U.S. State Department who now coaches clients in crisis leadership. And, and Ron, when it comes to providing security for an event, how much work goes into the planning? In other words, we've all seen movies where – uh, people in suits with with uh, earplugs in their ears and talking into their sleeves show up at the actual event. But isn't the preparation uh, as important, if not more important, than the actual security at the event? Preparation is the key to everything. Um, we usually assign an agent to that country that's having the Olympics. So I was actually on my way to London in 2012 when I became ill, but they're usually there for two years working with the host nation, uh, Interpol, everyone you can think of to keep the game safe. Well, and that's amazing. And Ron, I'm going to absolutely have you back on another occasion to talk about that. Uh, But let's talk about the geopolitical impact for just a moment regarding the spy balloon. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Henry Kissinger, and in one of his books, it's literally called On China. He, he writes extensively mm-hmm. about the importance that China places on appearances. And when the, when the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, canceled his diplomatic meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping, do you think that had an impact on China because of the cancellation of that meeting? You know, I think they're cooler characters than we give them credit for. We really have to be aware of that. Uh, They tend to take a longer view of history. Uh, They pride themselves on not getting too emotional. And they're playing five-dimensional chess. Mm. So whether or not they were really angered by it versus what they show as a show of force or to push back, uh, those are two different things. And whether or not it would be enough to actually drive them to do something is a different story. Well, when you were working either in military intelligence or, or working as a special agent for the State Department, uh, were there ever instances or occurrences, and I certainly don't want you to divulge any top secret or classified information, especially if you keep it next to your Corvette in your garage. But but my guess, my question is, uh, d- did you have to take into consideration foreign actors 
when you were either planning for events or gathering intelligence? Were you taking into consideration foreign actors or was it mainly like a, a terrorist type events? No, it's actually, well, not just events. I mean, our bailiwick is protecting our embassies and people like Ambassador Stevens in Benghazi. We were there as well. Hmm. Uh, and that means everything. Uh, we're protecting diplomats from criminals. We're protecting our information from spies, protecting people from malicious hackers. And then, you know, as you know, Al-Qaeda and ISIS, uh, we have a counterintelligence office or, yeah, division that's dealing with spies. And people try to recruit our people all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you go to recruit a spy, there's an old acronym people might find interesting. It's MICE, M-I-C-E, and it stands for Money ideology, mm-hmm. coercion, and ego. You know, so the, the first time, Ron, I got to tell you, the first time I heard that acronym MICE was uh, watching the current Tom Clancy show with John Krasinski on Amazon Prime, and they used that acronym to talk about turning agents or finding uh, the weaknesses in an agent. I didn't know it was real. I thought maybe it was something they, they made up for the for the uh, Jack Ryan TV show. But but that's a real yeah. thing. It's a real thing. It's been around a long time. And I'm probably aging myself by saying that because I'm sure they have some cooler, fancier, more complicated acronym. But that's the traditional one. And uh, as far as espionage in China and the U.S., our diplomats, they are followed all over the place. Phones get tapped. Uh, you know, they try to sneak pretty maids into married men's houses. All kinds of stuff. No, <laughs> really? <laughs> because, yeah, you know, it we, really we, we see this. In, too. Yeah, we, we see this. Obviously, we see it in every spy movie. And I've, if, a, if a movie comes out and it's a spy movie, I'm a sucker for it. I'm going to watch it. Right. So, so we've seen that. But you're saying those types of activities really do happen. Like, uh, what's it called, I believe, a, a honeypot situation? Yeah, honeypots, the common. Uh, probably not so much ideology. Sometimes I try to bribe people or they'll coerce people. They'll find them, they're hiding something and uh, threaten to expose them. And then always there's just a matter of ego, like Robert Hansen, mm. the FBI agent. And usually it's a combination of different factors in mice. So it's not always just one. Interesting. Uh, We're talking to Ron Holloway, former special agent and senior advisor at the U.S. State Department, who now coaches clients in crisis leadership. Uh, Ron, tell us about your current work in coaching clients in crisis leadership. I guess, first of all, how do you define crisis leadership? What does that even mean? It's funny. I don't really use the word crisis. I have kind of a formula. It's crisis is just changing the status quo, and then it's Darwin. Change is a catalyst for adaptation. And if you adapt earlier and more appropriately than your competition, you're the fittest. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I work with an organization or an individual, and we do we build skills, uh, traits, and some beliefs into ourselves and into the organization's culture that sets you up to prevail when a so-called crisis happens. And I'm also on standby as a consultant to come in and to help apply those tools to get the situation under control. And then after the fact, conduct after-action reviews, lessons learned, and make the organization better by taking all those lessons 
and making it part of its culture. How, how does your experience, both in military intelligence and with the State Department, how did that prepare you or give you the tools necessary to do what you do now in terms of coaching clients in crisis leadership? Yeah, you know, well, we're all patchwork quilts, right? We have all these different little fabrics, even like a grandma made a little bit of corduroy, and a little bit of fabric with some pink flowers on it, whatever. So mine is I have both professionally done crisis planning because when we're around the world, we have things like natural disasters, civil unrest. We could be in some country where there's a coup and we have to get everyone out, so we have to be prepared for that. Um, obviously, with the Olympics and things, we were always planning for the potential catastrophe. Uh, I ended up getting training from Harvard's National Preparedness Leadership Initiative in crisis leadership. And they were set up after uh, 9-11 by President Bush to prepare the nation's leaders for the war. And then in my personal life, I became very ill, uh, went partially blind, had to rebuild myself, uh, cognitively impaired, physically impaired. And uh, as I rebuilt myself, I decided I would teach other people. And I became the first social media influencer in the federal government. So the big thing for me wow. is turning every ill that happens to your advantage. Interesting. And and that's that's certainly applicable in so many areas of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Holloway, if folks want to find you online and follow what you do or learn more about what you do, how can they find you? Because you, you've also written a book, haven't you? I have. I've written a book called Anti-Fragility, Ten Principles for Life, Turning Crisis into Opportunity. Uh, it's available for download on my website, best place to find me, which is arrowcoachingllc.com. Okay, and that's arrow spelled how? A-R-R-O-W, like a bow and arrow. Okay, arrowcoachingllc.com. Dot com. Very good, Ron. A different arrow coaching that's not LLC, so you got to have that LLC in there. Understood. Folks will make a note of that. Ron Holloway, former special agent and senior advisor at the State Department, thank you so much for joining us this evening on KMOX. Hey, thanks for letting me talk to the people back in St. Louis. Ah, loved it. I'll be reaching out to you again, my friend. You can count on it. Thank you. Great. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I want to open up the phone lines here. We, we talked about the spy balloon, but again, I got off track a little bit because Ron Holloway had such a great story to talk about. But what do you think about the spy balloon? Uh, we learned... Just uh, in today, in fact, that those three unidentified aerial objects uh, were not spy balloons from China, but were something else entirely. But what do you think about it? Did, does it? did it bother you that the spy balloon was drifting across the United States, should it have been shot down sooner? And do you think that this should be a new priority for the Pentagon and for the president in terms of protecting us from these types of aerial spy devices from China. 314-436-7900. KMOX at your service. Don't go away. talking to Ron Holloway, uh, more so about his other experiences in with the State Department and military intelligence and 
when the time is right, I will have him back on uh, to discuss other topics as well as his experience. But on this China spy balloon, I, I find that there's several angles here that are that are truly fascinating, not just the political. Everyone wants to wants to gravitate to the political angle, but there's so many more angles to this Chinese spy balloon. For me, for example, one question, and, and I'm a military tech nut, so I follow this kind of stuff very closely. But one question that I've had asked of me is, what's the big deal with a spy balloon? Why would any country, much less China, bother with a spy balloon when that we have satellites in space? Of course, China has spy satellites. Those spy satellites are watching our facilities. So why use a balloon? What's the point of that? But there's several points of a spy balloon. First of all, satellites always travel in a predictable pattern. When a spy satellite goes into orbit, it can be tracked, and we know exactly where that spy satellite is at every moment. So at military facilities across the world, across the globe, actually, what happens is is that when there are known periods of time when either Chinese or Russian spy satellites are, are going over overhead and could look down, then things get covered up. People can can prepare for that. They can make sure that there's no sensitive military equipment that's out on a runway. And so we know when those spy satellites are coming around. That's why I thought it was so fascinating that when Tom Cruise was making the most recent uh, Maverick movie, of course, they built Lockheed Martin, the, the maker of some of the most exotic aircraft ever made, one of the first stealth aircraft ever made, the SR-71, still to this day the fastest aircraft that's ever flown was built by Lockheed Martin. And so the producers of Maverick hired Lockheed to build a prototype for this fake stealth aircraft, hypersonic aircraft, called Dark Star. And so, of course, Lockheed built it to look like a real, what a real hypersonic Mach 5 plus stealth aircraft would look like. It was made out of you know plywood and paint, but it looked exactly like what you would think it would look like. Well, it was widely reported when the movie was being shot that China uh, uh, flew a spy satellite over where the producers were making this movie, thinking that this was an actual U.S. spy craft, and, and, or, or an aircraft, rather, and they took pictures of it. And there was apparently uh, a hubbub in the Chinese intelligence community that they really had something, because normally... We would keep that kind of stuff secret when the spy satellites go over. So I thought that was fascinating that they really thought they had something, but it was just, again, plywood and paint. But that's the reason why a spy balloon can be so much more informative to a country like China, because we don't know when that spy balloon is coming over. So it can actually take photographs, soak up uh, what's called radio frequency RF information from broadcasts, from equipment from people communicating however and whatever they want to soak up, they can do so because we aren't expecting it. That's the first side angle. The second angle is from a radar perspective because radar is tunable. So our radar systems, particularly those up in, in NORAD in Canada and Alaska in the north, aren't tuned to pick up smaller objects like balloons because if it were, you would get a lot of false readings. I mean, a flock of geese fly by, and it's going to come up on radar. 
So our radar systems are tuned in such a way so that those things don't show up on radar. That's why we had a hard time tracking that uh, spy balloon at first because our radar systems weren't tuned to follow something like a spy balloon. Once we altered our radar, that's why I'm sure of this. That's why all of those uh, three objects past weekend suddenly got picked up. It wasn't like there weren't any balloons in the air at 40,000 feet before this. We just weren't looking for them until after the Chinese spy balloon. So those are things that I think is interesting. The other angle here that I think is interesting is that China, and this was released just yesterday, China has actual balloon bases that they've built along the eastern coast of China. And the purpose for these balloons, they've been flying them over Africa. They want to fly them over Asia, over Japan. They want to fly them uh, over our allies like Australia. And there's an entire base that was built in 2016 for these spy balloons. And this base wasn't just built in 2016, but it was expanded even more just two years ago. So this is something that China feels is worth their effort to collect intelligence on the United States and our allies by using these spy balloons. So I suspect that we're going to see uh, much more of these incursions by spy balloons because now our Pentagon is looking for it. But here's what I'm really looking forward to. I hope that the Pentagon actually releases photographs and releases details about the equipment that we picked up off the coast in South Carolina. Why? Because once we recovered that, we can prove exactly what the purpose of that balloon was. And since China has already come out so strongly saying it was a spy balloon, we can actually prove that they're lying. We can prove that the country of China is lying and that they lied about their spying activities. And I certainly hope that this is something that the United States does publicly instead of their usual approach of just basically uh, keeping secret about any information that they obtain. So I hope this does get released. Uh, I'm going to switch topics here because there's an interesting question. I asked this to, uh, to our own Sean Michael Lyle in the newsroom earlier this evening. Do politicians have a First Amendment right to lie to you? We all know politicians lie. Politicians on the right will lie to you. Politicians on the left will write, lie to you. It's not, a, uh, it's not a condition that is dependent upon ideology. Politicians lie to get elected. So everyone makes a big deal out of George Santos lying, but he's not the first politician to lie to you. And I promise you he's not the last. But do they have a right to lie to you? And I bring this up because North Carolina in 1931... North Carolina passed a law that criminalizes, and I'm quoting, derogatory campaign ads that candidates know to be false or recklessly disregard the truth, unquote. So what happened is, this is a 1931 law, been on the books a long time. So apparently there was some politician who ran for office in North Carolina, and he made some statement about how many uh, rape kits were still on the shelf that had not been dealt with by the sheriff's department. 
and it was verifiably false. So one candidate filed a complaint and a lawsuit against the other candidate citing this 1931 law. And just last week, not only did the district court rule that this law was unconstitutional, but the North Carolina Court of Appeals ruled that it's unconstitutional. And the court all but said in their opinion, I'm not quoting here, but as I read the opinion today, the court all but said the politicians have a First Amendment right to lie to you. And I, I thought, I, I thought this was funny because everyone always makes jokes about lying politicians. But the, but then when I put my legal hat back on, I thought, you know, if you, if you lie in other circumstances, you go to jail. The entire Whitewater case against President Clinton and Hillary Clinton, the whole case was based upon lies that people told uh, regarding this investment scheme of Whitewater when they both lived in Arkansas. And if you lie to federal authorities, you go to jail. President Trump right now has been investigated, 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 and impeached on issues about whether he lied or he didn't lie. And if you lie to Congress, you go to jail. You lie to the FBI, you go to jail. If you make a sale, if if, if company A lies to sell you a product to company B, they lie about that product. That's called fraud. They can be sued. It can violate numerous statutes and laws. So generally speaking in our culture, if you lie to your friend or lie to an acquaintance or lie to a relative, that's not going to be a criminal activity. But there are many circumstances where lying can actually be a crime. And everyone's up in arms about George Santos lying. And of course, it's wrong to lie. I'm not trying to say that it isn't, but don't you find it interesting that at least one court has found that politicians have a First Amendment right to lie to you? So the next time you see a campaign ad and you say, come on, you're lying to me, you can think to yourself, well, it may be wrong, but it appears to be legal. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we got possums and snakes in the news. Now, I'm, I'm not... We, we, uh, we, we talked a lot about snakes last week. I'm not going to go down that road again. But lots more in the news about possums, one of my most loathed creatures. And we'll get to that next year. At your service, Camelax. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. There's an interesting story out of South Florida. And I'm not a big fan of possums, and I'll get to that in a moment. But here's the most amazing use of possums going on right now in South Florida. Here's what they're doing. You've probably heard or read about that one of the many problems that we have in the Florida Everglades. And I've been down there, and I've actually seen some of this firsthand. But one of the biggest problems is an invasive species called a Burmese python. Now, these Burmese python snakes can get about 20 feet long, and they're they're thicker than your leg. I mean, these are big snakes, but they're not native to Florida. So what happens is, is that these Burmese pythons reproduce like crazy in the Florida Everglades. And, of course, you know, snakes got to eat. 
So uh, they end up eating the native species in the Florida Keys and destroying the natural habitat. And they're an invasive species. So one of the ways that researchers are trying to to find this, they're doing two things. The researchers aren't doing the first part. The first part is is that Florida has this annual hunt, the python hunt, and they actually will pay you money to go out and hunt these large, invasive Burmese pythons. And uh, I, I can't remember how many, who got the award this year or last year uh, for the most pythons, but I think it was like 17 or something a guy actually killed and brought him in and got paid for him. So that's the first way. But the, the, the other way is that researchers will capture possums. Now, can you imagine to a Burmese python, a possum is like a T-bone steak, okay? They look at that possum and they think, yum. That's the first thing they think of. So researchers started putting GPS tags on these possums, and they drop the possums off in the areas where they think the snakes are living. And so when they're watching these, these possums on the GPS tracker, of course, a possum's always moving. And, and so when they figure out that the possum stops moving, that's when it's been eaten by a snake because there's no other thing out there that's going to eat a python except for maybe a crocodile. So they get these, uh, these possums that are loaded with the GPS tracker, and when the pythons eat them, then the researchers just go and they track the GPS, they find the python, they kill it, and they re- re- uh, recover that GPS collar, and they can even reuse it. So they keep reusing it over and over and over again, even after they've been consumed by multiple snakes. Well, the reason why I'm telling you this story, because I'm reading this today, and it reminded me of my own encounter with a possum. And this was in the 1990s. And my my wife and I are living in, in Florissant at the time, and we had a fenced-in backyard. And I've always had black lab dogs. I love black lab dogs, and we've always had a black lab dog. So my black lab is in the backyard, and normally she was just pretty passive, pretty mild. She didn't bark. wasn't a big deal. So one night around dusk, my black lab goes crazy in the backyard, barking, 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 barking. So I go out in the backyard to see what on earth is bugging my dog. So I walk out there, and there's a possum on our back fence, and the possum is hissing at my dog. It's hissing at the dog. And my dog's barking and the possum's just hissing at him. So I'm thinking, you know, this possum's going to bite my dog. I've got to do something about it. So I, I, went, I went out and, uh, and, I, and I got a shovel and I hit this possum with my shovel. And the possum falls in between my fence and my neighbor's fence. And then he's still sitting there hissing. And I'm thinking, why, you know, now I hit it with the shovel and it didn't kill it. And these possums are resilient. They've got a brain the size of a pea and they're very tough. And so since I didn't kill it with the shovel, now it's going to still bite my dog. So I'm thinking it's time to go get a pistol. So I tell my wife what I'm doing. And my wife says, Brad, you you can't shoot a gun. This is in Florissant. You can't do that. Like, oh, who's going to know? So I got a revolver and I got it. It's a 22. Okay. And I'm thinking, how loud is a 22 round? It's not very loud. 
So I go out in my backyard, and there's that possum between the fences still hissing at me, right? Because I hit him in the head with a shovel. Of course he's hissing at me. So I go, and he's hissing at me, and I put the gun barrel right uh, – it's a pistol, but I put the pistol right next to the possum's forehead. And it's like dusk now. It's like, uh, you know, it's a little past dusk. It's kind of dark. So I pull the trigger on this twenty-two. Twenty-two is the smallest round there is. It uh, it doesn't make any noise, at least I thought. And when I pull the trigger, this cannon went off. Boom! Because all the houses were all back-to-back, and they echoed off the houses, and it sounded like I fired a howitzer in my backyard in Florissant, Missouri. So as soon as as soon as I pulled this trigger on this possum uh, and shot him, all of the back porch lights start blinking on all around me. So now I'm getting scared because I'm thinking, you know, I really don't want to get arrested for shooting a possum. So I, I go inside and I, I just said, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to wait for the lights to go down. And I told my wife, if the cops come, I'm doing all the talking. So... We waited about an hour. Everything's fine. I went outside, and the possum is gone. The possum's gone. So I assumed some dog must have dragged it away, and I didn't think another thing of it. And then about three to four weeks later, again, my dog's in the backyard, and my dog's going crazy. And I'm thinking, what's bugging my dog now? I got rid of the possum. What's bu- Come on, dog. So I go in the backyard, and I got a flashlight because now it's like 8, 9 o'clock at night. So I'm out there with a flashlight looking around, and lo and behold, and listen, as the saying goes, as God is my witness, I'm not making this up. In my next-door neighbor's yard, there's that possum. And I'm thinking, it can't be the same possum. I shot him in the head, for goodness sakes. Must be, must be uh, uh, his wife or something or children or another possum. So I get as close to him as I can, and, of course, he starts hissing at me again. (laughs) And as I shine this light right on this possum, I see a bullet hole right between his eyes. And this is the same possum. Not only did I hit it with a shovel, not only did I shoot it in the head with a pistol, but then it it took off and it came back, and and that's when I realized that possums are, are basically indestructible. So there, because how else could this possum survive a beating with a shovel and a shot to the head? And then this is the one because there was a bullet hole right between his eyes. So at that point, I thought the thought crossed my mind. You know, I want to go get my pistol and take care of him once and for all. And then I thought, you know what? This possum has survived a shovel, survived a pistol. God bless you, possum. I'm going to leave you alone. Go have more possums, my good friend. And I will trouble you no further. And then I learned that possums have a brain the size of a pea, so I just must have missed his brain when I when I shot him. So that was the last time I fired a gun in the city limits, I'll tell you that. And uh, hopefully I'll never do that again. Brad Young, in with you on At Your Service, X. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.